Keep the change, you filthy animal. Welcome in to the Bro Four Squad podcast, where we are just a bunch of bros drinking beer and talking movies. I am your host, the Mayor Jeff Hornacek. This is episode 169, and thank you so much for joining us for the movie discussion tonight. Before we begin, we must go around and meet the fellow bros. We begin with the American hero, Nate Thurmond. Nate, I know we were supposed to keep it a surprise, but I got you in the Bro 4 Squad Secret Santa, and I'm eyeing an iPod Nano on Wish.com for you. So, good idea or great <clears throat> gift idea? Uh, first of all, don't bring up Wish around up around me ever again. Um, that tank, that stock is tanked and has killed my portfolio. Uh, second of all, um, yeah, I can use it as like a paperweight or something. I don't know. I'm not sure. Thanks. I guess. Perfect. I know your papers you, are you always have paper? Uh, yeah, I've got some like sticky notes here, and actually, I have my little little notebook. So, so yeah. all paper that's already attached to something doesn't yeah. really need a paperweight. Damn it, horns! Don't point that out. <laughs> yeah, this is like spiral binded <laughs> to itself, and this has adhesive on it. These are sticky. Oh, God damn it! Okay, whatever. I'm starting to think, and I know this is crazy, that you might just not want an iPod Nano. I mean, sure, it'd be great to have 50 extra songs I can put in my pocket. I guess. <laughs> How oh, he didn't say he was splurging. <laughs> Remember the iPod shuffle where it was like 50 songs and we don't know what fucking order they're going to come up in. Yeah. yeah, I remember yours in college. Like, you go work out and have that and just roulette. So here we go. Annoying. What's up next? I know. <laughs> and like the decision you'd have to make when you wanted to add a new song, but you were already at 50. Like, well, who do we yeah. kick out? It's a I big decision. If you made that list and could make a good <clears> run. <throat> good times. All every one of us could shit a Spotify 50 song playlist in like four seconds now. Yeah. Uh, that other voice you heard is the mad scientist Brian Banner. Now, Banner, uh, I read this in a uh, Engineering Weekly magazine about you. Is it true that you are purposely on the naughty list every year because your lab where you podcast is powered by coal, so you want to receive it in your stocking? I mean, look, everybody's trying to go carbon neutral and everything i mean this what better way to be self-sustaining so you so yes you purposely commit like let's be honest guys there's like a 72 percent chance i'm going to be on the naughty list anyway so yeah might as well capitalize on it it's america baby it's beautiful 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 all right well here on the bro four squad we begin every show with the most important thing in any bro's life and that is chest day our chest day topic today is a game, the fourth version of this game we have played. And as you can probably tell from the title of this episode, it is Name That Film Christmas Movie Edition. This episode should be dropping just before Christmas. So we thought, what better time to do a holiday-themed version of Name That Film? Here's how the game works. The bros have been given a bank of movies to choose from. Uh, looks like 15 to be exact. So if you guys can click that link and access the bank of movies on the left. We have seven rounds to play. I'm going to read them either the synopsis for a movie or the tagline that was on the poster for it. And they each have to try and guess the movie from the list of films they have been given. They also have one lifeline each, wherein if they would like to use it, I will tell them the top build cast member of that film. And whoever has the most points at the end of seven rounds is our grand champion. If it's tied, I do have a tiebreaker, which is uh, a numerical value answer. So similar to uh, like Jeopardy, 
when they ask you to get the exact number, you have to get. You will not be exact, but whoever the closest one is, we will have a. We, we're using prices right rules, right? You just can't go over. Uh, sure. Ooh, was it you that said that. Jude Law was in like 800 films last time we played a game like this? Mm, that's he. He did get it wrong. It, sounds, it was for the it was for the Jeopardy bad. episode, but he technically was closest, but he went over. So. Ah. I love the aggressiveness. What are you gonna do? Go big or go home, baby. Now, if you guys are looking at this list of movies, I've actually dubbed this uh, the B-team of Christmas movies edition because I left out like the big classics, the ones that we've all seen probably like 10 times each, like um, Home Alone and Christmas Vacation and like It's a Wonderful Life. Like some of the ones that the second you heard the synopsis or the tag. I know it's Christmas with the Cranks is not on there, so that's a good sign. Yeah, we're not to the D-team yet. Ouch. Sorry. Ouch. <laughs> um, so, but these are films that I, th- I would guess you guys have seen probably at least half of these looking at the list. So, and the ones you haven't seen, you could probably take an educated guess. Got a question real quick. Clarification question. This Black Christmas, what year was that one? Uh, the 2006 one. Okay. Awesome. Great question. Thank you. You're actually already at an advantage now because... I respect the fact that you know there's three versions of Black Christmas. 74, 06, and 19. Wow. Are you doing research? Because that's cheating. You can't be No, like, I actually watched Black yeah, Christmas. Yeah, what is this the ni- No, I watched the, the 19 one <laughs> this weekend. We'll get okay. to it in Protein Shake. Yeah. But I actually did watch the 19 one. It's on HBO Max. Fact check it. I, I hope you remember when I All talked right, about it a few right. episodes ago, right? Uh, I don't, actually. I don't think I was on that episode. Oh. You don't even pay attention when I talk. I hate it. Yeah, well, you know, we might as well speaking, be married. Speaking of not paying attention while you talk, did you mention something about the lifelines? Um, yes. Yeah, so <laughs> you, get, you each get one. Just being honest. <laughs> I appreciate the honesty. You each get one lifeline where if you don't know a film, I will make the other person guess first. And then the advantage okay. you get is I will tell you the top build cast member from the movie. Thank you. I just wanted to... Uh... Have you reiterate that for our listeners who weren't paying attention? Yeah. Not me. I certainly was, but the people at home. And in, in a lifeline situation, let's say Nate uses a lifeline. I guess first. I get it right. Then he guesses, and he also gets it right. He gets a point, not me. Or do I get a point because I knew it without the lifeline? No, you still both get the point. Okay, so we split the point. No, you each get your own individualized point that you can keep. This isn't like child custody, like we get our own separate, we don't have to share time with the points. Nate gets the point on weekends. <laughs> and every other Wednesday. Yeah, and then you can get like a couple holidays, we'll draft holidays. Obviously, we have to split Thanksgiving and Christmas, it's only fair. Obviously. All right. Okay, just don't do smoke it. around the point. You know, we don't want to get developing bad habits. That's true. Some no foul problem. things are just fine. All right, are you ready for round one? Let's get Go. it on. All right, and the people at home, I might put the bank of movies in the description. It just looks so bad, like it's so much text. The people at home, I think, might be able to just shout out the answer as they know it. So here is the first movie in our Name That Film Christmas Movies Edition game. The plot synopsis reads, Dumped and depressed, English Rose Iris agrees to swap homes with a similarly unlucky person in California, Amanda, for a much-needed break. Uh, Brian, let's have you guess first. I will can read it again if you want me to. Uh, 
Good, because I don't think he knows this. I don't think I know this. And uh, I literally just watched this two days ago. Is this is this <laughs> The Holiday? Okay, Brian guesses The Holiday. Nate, what is your guess? I'm going to guess The Holiday as well. Yes, you are both correct. It is The Holiday. I couldn't hear you, Nate. I got that point too loud. <sighs> yeah, once you said that, I was like, damn it. He had a good guess. I actually fell asleep like, like B- the last 20 a- minutes, but... It's a B-team Christmas movie. It's not that hard to figure out based on the synopsis and the title. Yeah, we can go into more of it on my protein shake. because Is this on Netflix? Because it's been getting shoved in my face. Or Hulu. Maybe it's Hulu. Yeah, I can't remember. One of those. Whatever it is, every time I log in, it's like, you want to watch this? You should watch this. Why don't you watch this? Click on this. <laughs> Do Why it. didn't you click on this? Yeah, I'm like, Guilt trips this. you into it. Relax, bro. All right, one to one after round one. On to round two. This one is the tagline from the movie. And the tagline is, who's your perfect plus one? Nate, we'll let you go first. Who is your perfect plus one? Just double check. I think I have a pretty good educated guess on this one. Yeah, let's go with uh, Holidate. Nate says Holidate. Brian, how about you? Uh, that's the only one that makes sense. So let's go Holidate as well. All right, you are both correct with um, Holidate. Yep. And they're about to get a little bit harder, but I wanted to get you guys a little bit of momentum, right? Show you some batting practice fastballs. Let you. That's kind of you. Yeah, can of corn right here. Get warmed up. Have either of you seen Holidate? I have. Nope. I hear great things, though. <laughs> Who the fuck told you that? <laughs> It is uh, the epitome of Netflix trash. Okay. So it's going to be a blast, but it's a terrible movie. Yeah, basically. Okay. Yeah. I can live with that. Um, All right. Round three, two to two. So far, offensive battle here. Round three is also a tagline from the movie. So again, shorter. And the tagline for our third film is, There Glows the Neighborhood. Clever play on words there. There Glows the Neighborhood. Ryan, what movie is that the tagline for? Let's go Deck the Halls. Brian says Deck the Halls. Nate, what say you? Yeah, I'm probably going to have to go off the same logic as Brian, whatever that was, because that sounds the closest to me. So I'm going to go Deck the Halls as well. Wow, you both got Deck the Halls. Can either of you name an actor in the film? There are two very famous ones. Uh, Kelsey Grammer. Oh, I would say good guess, but I guess it's not. <laughs> yeah, I thought he. I thought he said good actors. Kelsey Grammer's fine. Actually, we have against Kelsey what? Grammer. I love. I don't Frasier. know. I don't know. I was just. I don't know. I was being a dick. I'm sorry. I don't think I said good actors either. Just yeah. I don't. Yeah. Like, no. Maybe I did. words in his mouth. I, Ryan, I think he said actors? well well known actors. Yeah. Um. Let's go. No, I don't know any of them. I can't even lie to you. It stars Matthew Broderick and Danny DeVito. Whoa. Wow. It's an interesting combo. Yeah, it is. And the cover of it is, uh, this is like such a classic trope. Matthew Broderick is like wrapped up in Christmas lights and he does not look like he wants to be there, let me tell you. That's the best. (laughs) All right. On to round four. Can anyone miss a shot? Uh, Here we go. 
who went first last round? Brian, did you? Uh, I believe I did, yeah. Yeah, okay. you did. All right, Nate, you're up. Here it is. <clears throat> On Christmas Eve, an escaped maniac returns to his childhood home, which is now a sorority house, and begins to murder the sorority sisters one by one. Sounds like a blast. That is the synopsis, by the way, not the tagline. Nate, like, that's a that's long, long tagline. ass tagline. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, I hate to see the what the synopsis is. The posters are very large, yes. Damn. You want me to read it again? Yeah. On Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. On Christmas Eve, an escaped maniac returns to his childhood home, which is now a sorority house, and begins to murder the sorority sisters one by one. If you want to use the lifeline, I'll make Brian guess before you go. Yeah, this this is going to be a lifeline situation. All right, Nate is electing to use his lifeline, wherein he will get to hear the top build cast member. Brian, what movie do you think this is? I believe this is Black Christmas. Okay, Brian is going with Black Christmas. Nate, the top build cast member is Michelle Trachtenberg. Doesn't help me at all. Who is also oh. in Harriet the Spy. I don't think that's illegal for me to say that. And Eurotrip. Um, I forgot but... she was in Eurotrip. But with Brian guessing and him bragging about Black Christmas, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go with Black Christmas. There you go, it's Black Christmas. The advantage of the lifeline, you get to defer. Yeah. And the, you said there's like three different versions of that. Yeah, and the Brian and I are sure we'll get into this, but the 2019 version is much different than the previous two. Yeah, and it's yeah, it's it's a lot different from what I read. They're not like straight remakes. The the 2006 the, one is of the 74 one. The 2019 uh, one took the name and did something completely different. It yeah. takes place at a college, but it's not at all the same film. It was a okay. blast. Don't get me wrong. Right. I had a blast anyway. It's all fucking right. batshit Let's crazy. keep going. Let's wow, keep no going. one has missed one yet. It's four to four heading into round five. Look, if there's anything that we know, it's B-team Christmas movies. Okay. Well, the other problem is, do you remember when we did this with you and Geiger, and it was movies that came out in 2020, the COVID year, and... You got like a combined two. Yeah, we were so I, awful. I, I tried to make this one a little bit easier, but I didn't really. I think this is a perfect. This is a perfect uh, level. We're just we're hot tonight, you know. You can't shoot like this all night. <laughs> all right, uh, number five. This is a synopsis, not a tagline. Our fifth film is described as: While visiting his hometown during Christmas, a man comes face to face with his old high school crush. So while visiting his hometown during Christmas, a man comes face to face with his old high school crush. Is it is it me? I think it's you, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Not positive, but I'm gonna say Ghosts of Girlfriends Past. Okay, Brian says Ghosts of Girlfriends Past, which by the way is in my top one hundred movies of all time. It was the last one I mentioned at number eighty three. Last episode. Nate, what's your guess? Yeah, that one just makes too much sense. I'm going to stick with Ghost of Girlfriends Past as well. Finally, you miss one. I have a second guess, too. It won't count, but... <laughs> what would your second guess be? Is it The Family Stone? No, it is Just no, no. Friends. Just Friends. Yeah, starring was... Ryan Reynolds and Amy Oh, Smart. Ryan Re- Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh. 
This one is also, I think, on Netflix. It's popping up a lot. Ghost of Girlfriends passes. Who's in that one? That's is that McConaughey? That's McConaughey and Jennifer. Okay, yeah, I got him. I got him fucking confused. Damn it. And uh, who's the chick? Anna Faris is in. Anna Faris also. Yeah. 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 Fucked up. All right. Question number. Excuse me. Movie number six. This one is a tagline. This one's pretty tough, actually. Here's the tagline. Because again, this doesn't even sound like it's about the movie. It's just talking to someone in a movie theater the tagline is what if you made different choices and actually i don't know why this has nothing to do with the film but the only the tagline on imdb was only written in spanish and i had to look it up in google translate makes sense it's not a spanish film what if you made different choices man yeah nate you're up I'm going to go with Noel. Nate says Noel. Brian, what say you? I'm going to say The Family Man. I had another one. The Family Man is correct. Wow. I I wasn't sure if it was The Family Man or Scrooge, but I was pretty sure that was the Nick Cage Family Man. Yeah, which is kind of a remake of It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah. Kind of not. All right, this last one, uh, right now the score is one, two, three, four, five to four. All right. Oh, excuse me, I scored that wrong. No, keep five, it, keep it, keep it, keep it. <laughs> five to four, Brian leads Nate. And in this last round here, Nate will have to get it to tie and take us to our tiebreaker. Very <laughs> much possible. All right, Brian, you do have your lifeline yet left. It is a use it or lose it. Okay. The I can't synop- take it home? You actually, yeah, you can take it home. Do it. Okay, cool. <laughs> Use it in something else, I don't know, at work tomorrow. Uh, The plot synopsis here. Kate is a young woman subscribed to bad decisions. Working as an elf in a year-round Christmas store is not good for the wannabe singer. One more time. Kate is a young woman subscribed to bad decisions. Working as an elf in a year-round Christmas store is not good for the wannabe singer. All right, let's go ahead and use the lifeline, because we can. All right. Nate, what is your guess? No pressure, Nate, but you have to get it right. And I have to get it wrong. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. It's not that one. No, 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 no. We're going to go, we're going to double down on Noel. All right, Nate says Noel. Brian, the top billed actor in the movie is Amelia Clark Khaleesi. I believe this is Last Christmas. The film it might be the night before, but I'm pretty sure okay. it's Last Christmas. So, what's your guess? I said I said Last Christmas first, so we'll go with Last Christmas. All right, the film is. Last Christmas. Oh, wow. Starring Amelia Clark. I've Man, actually Brian, seen that one. Good little twist at the end. It's been a while. It's probably been a couple years, but. Yeah, Henry Goulding in it as well. Yeah. Who stole America's hearts in Crazy Rich Asians. What, uh, just for shits and giggles, what was the tiebreaker? Yeah, let's just do the tiebreaker, just for funsies. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter because I, 
I kicked Nathan's ass, but whatever. I don't know about kicked his well, ass. You but... won. I don't know. I only missed one, and he missed three. That's a pretty significant difference. You just got revenge from Jeopardy, so you're even in the... I did. I got my ass handed to me. An opposite <laughs> bloodbath, yeah. I think Nathan Nate beat everyone else combined in Jeopardy. Yeah. And I'm still not close. All right, here is your tie-breaking question. What was the total worldwide box office gross in the theatrical run of Christmas Vacation? That was 89? Maybe, uh, maybe earlier than that. Yes. I'm going to say $150 million. Damn, that's what I was going to say. All right, I'll say 155. Okay. It was 73.3 million. Jesus. Okay. Yeah, so I guess Close. we would have had to, we would have had to change it to like get it right. Period. Or get the closest even if you went over. I mean, or you do like they do on prices right. If, if everyone goes over, they just all rebid. Mm. He just says like you all went over. Yeah, he's like, everyone went over. There, yeah, there's like a weird noise, like, bah, 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 or something. Yes. Bah, bah, bah. Exactly bah, bah. like that. It's like a little more rude, kind of. Well, congrats, You Brian. all suck. Thank you. Yeah, it's congrats well on winning. Name that film, Christmas Movie Edition. If you at home B- have no, any... No, 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 not Christmas Movie. B-Team Christmas Movie Edition. <laughs> Got it, yes. We just have to remember, these aren't like the good Christmas movies. These aren't the every year Christmas movies. Right. Although The Family Stone is a good one. That's has that been on my top 100 list yet? Uh, I think so. Yes, it's my number yeah. 98. Yeah, so two yeah. of these have been on my list already. Office Christmas Party was the other one. Uh, Ghost of Girlfriends Past. Okay. For some reason yes. I thought we talked I, about at Office Christmas Party. I do like Office Christmas Party a lot though as well. <clears throat> All right, thanks for playing. Uh, that Welcome. brings us to <laughs> the second part of our show. Anytime. Anytime. Which is our protein shake, where we go around and talk about what is in our cup, also known as what have we watched lately. Now, I'm glad that Chest Day didn't take as long, because I have some stuff here that I've been trying to unload, if you know what I'm saying, <laughs> for a couple episodes. So yeah. I have seven things, but I really only talk about like four of them. So I guess, how many do you guys have? Uh, Three and a half. Three and a half. Uh, all right, Nate, how about we start with you? What have you seen lately? Um, let's start off with uh, probably the, I don't know if I want to say least favorite. Okay, I'll say least favorite thing in my protein shake this this uh, time around. It was weird. I've been stewing on it for a while. I can't decide if I like it or not, but um, The Power of the Dog, new Benedict Cumberbatch, Jesse Plemons, mm-hmm. Kirsten Dunst movie on Netflix. Um Obviously well-known. I'm a huge Western fan, so I saw that. I was like, okay, cool, right up my alley. It looks weird. Um, I won't spoil it too much uh, so you guys can watch it, but it's just a little bit of a slow burn. Um, Ending is kind of cool. I like the way it ended. It was a cool little twist. Not like a huge like twist, but some stuff happens that you're like, oh, okay, that's how that played out. Um, Cumberbatch's accent is kind of weird. It's kind of wishy-washy he's i mean he's trying to do like a western 1920s accent from a ranch hand so um i don't know if you've ever had any experience in that but 
give it like a C minus maybe. Um, passing. And then I feel like there's things that they just kind of rush the gun a little bit and don't explain everything fully and things happen a little quick for my liking. And maybe I missed something. I don't think I did. Um, reading some reviews online, some other people had that same, uh, thought. Um, but interesting movie, um, cool ending, like I said, but just a little weird. Now I watched the trailer and I, uh, was picking up on a, maybe I was reading too much into it subplot. And this is from the trailer. So I don't think this is spoilers. Benedict Cumberbatch is like kind of falling in love with the teenage boy in it. Right. That seemed to be, or maybe obsessing. There are some feelings between them. Also kind of crazy. Kirsten Dunst and Jesse Plemons, you guys probably knew this, but uh, they're married. I did know that. Did not, uh, they, were, they were in uh, Fargo season two together as well. Married. Is that where they met? That probably was, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think I looked it up when I when that came out. But yeah. I, uh, I also. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Jeff. Sorry. No, I was going to ask, do their characters in that show have any like a romantic connection? In the movie? In Fargo. Uh, yeah, they're married in the in Fargo. Oh, nice. What about in the oh. movie? They, it's not much of a spoiler, but yeah, they get married. Oh God, we wow. get it. You guys are fucked. Wow. <laughs> you like each other, okay? Seriously, chill out. It's gross. Uh, I also read something that Kirsten Dunst and Benedict Cumberbatch literally couldn't talk, couldn't have any interaction other than them when they were on set because of how their characters interacted. Like they couldn't like each other, and it was too hard for them to like talk to each other offset. I don't know. That's that cool. means nothing to me because I haven't seen the movie, but I thought it was interesting. Like some, some pretty good method acting there. Yeah. There's, yeah, there's a ton of tension between them throughout the, throughout the film. So that's kind of cool knowing that that's what they did to prepare for that. So would you recommend it or no? I would. Just because you need somebody to talk to about it. I mean, that's like 50% of it. <laughs> yeah. At least you're honest. <laughs> now, yeah, I know you said slow burn. What kind of runtime are we looking at here? uh sub two right at two or just under yeah 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 two hours five with credits yeah fuck with that Um, well elizabeth moss is in it okay interesting power Uh, dog jeff why don't you get one of yours out of the way Okay, I saw Batman The Long Halloween Part 1 and 2 on HBO Max. This is one of the DC animated movies. It's one now, of the newer a, ones, right? I, yeah, it might even actually be like the most recent one. Okay. I'm pretty up to date on my, my DC animated, but I haven't seen this one. Now, DC animated, I've been, I think all of us on pod who have seen them have been huge defenders of them. Basically, they can do no wrong. We wish DC... The DCEU would be able to somehow replicate what they're able to pull off. And a few years ago, I believe it was with Justice League Apocalypse War, they basically did like a complete reboot of the DC animated. Basically meaning like, not that it was too tight in continuity, but I think they like restarted all the stories. And I guess the main thing for me, Brian, is they really changed up the animation style. Which I love. Yeah. One thing I don't love is like... I really liked a lot of the voice actors they had. Yeah. And it seems like they've replaced almost all of them. Did they replace uh, uh, the guy that plays Batman? Is it Jason? Ma- Omara. Omara. Yeah. Yeah. The guy, I don't know the guy that does him here. He's okay. 
Uh, one name you guys actually might be interested in is Josh Dumel does the voice of Harvey Dent, huh. um, which is pretty good in this. Basically, The Long Halloween, it's a comic arc that I had heard about, but I don't think I'd read it. There is a serial killer in Gotham City who kind of taunts the police and every major holiday commits a murder of someone in the mob. So I think this person skips like the small ones like uh, Columbus Day, for lack of a better term, maybe Flag Day. But, I believe it's, I believe it's no, right. Day now. Oh, well, that's right. Indigenous Peoples Day. Indigenous he do that Peoples one. Day. There he we or go. she doesn't do that one. But uh, like Christmas, Halloween, Thanksgiving, St. Patrick's Day, Easter. So Commissioner Gordon and Batman can, and Harvey Dent, who's helping them figure it out because he's not two-faced yet, at least in part one, are kind of trying to telegraph who this is and when it's going to happen. And there are a lot of interesting things that happen in this movie, but I think it's at the end of the day, it did not need to be two parts. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just too many scenes. There's not enough action in it, which is weird for an animated film where it seems like the the budget for like a set piece is a non-issue. Yeah, um, and DC animated, they're like action packed. Yeah. And normally I, I actually enjoy this, but there are a couple villains that are in this and really serve no purpose to the plot except like to say they threw them in um could they be setting something up for future uh ips with them being in this yeah possibly possibly i mean that's a that's a real long game but yeah and i just i can't judge anything but this movie so i would say if you're if you're a fan of dc animated it's probably worth a shot um i Maybe I watch it too late at night, but part one, I was like really dozing off towards the end. It's just a lot of like standing and talking scenes. And when you don't have like real actors, like physically on screen to hold your attention, it's kind of hard to focus through that. But the concept is cool. And it th- there is kind of a twist at the end. Well, not kind of. There is a twist at the end with who's been committing the murders that I personally didn't see coming. But if you've read the comic arc, maybe it's exactly the same and there's really no surprises for you. I would say soft recommend on Batman the Long Halloween. Like it. All right. Brian, what else you got? All right. So, uh, Jeff, you and Cycli actually talked about this uh, last week. I'm not sure, Nate, if you've seen this, but 8-Bit Christmas. Finally finished it. Dude, I like this. This might be an every year movie. Wow. This was really fucking fun. And then all the feelies at the end. Yeah. I did not see that coming. When you have, and I, I don't want to spoil anything because it, I really enjoyed it. But when you have a movie that's that's comedy, silly, just completely over the top, you don't see it going super serious at the end. It just yeah. didn't, it didn't have that feel. I didn't see it coming. It was, it was nice. I liked it. Nate, have you seen a trailer or anything for this? Mm-mm. So this is the HBO Max original Christmas movie with Neil Patrick Harris, where it's him narrating to his daughter the story of Christmas 1989 when or him and something. his friends, yeah, or the late 80s, he says, <laughs> were desperately trying to get a Nintendo entertainment system and sort of the hijinks that ensued with them trying to acquire one. Oh, uh, man. Steve Zahn is in it. Uh, June Diane Raphael, who I mainly know from uh, How Did This Get Made podcast, but she's in a bunch of stuff. She plays his mother. Um, and Super like random. Said, the director for it is also the director of Goon. 
Oh yeah, I did hear that. <laughs> about that. Interesting crossover there. Yeah, interesting movie. Um, it's the one thing I would say, Brian. Maybe you'll disagree. I this is a PG rating. I would have loved this to be rated R. Oh yes. Oh my God. I think part of yeah. PG-13, it would not have worked. But as a PG movie, I think it works. And as an R-rated movie, I think it would have worked. Yeah, either go all for it or do what they did here and kind of pull the reins back. Yeah. And then the end, pretty big twist. Dude. Hit, hit me in the gut. I did hear a few people online, obviously not spoiling anything, say that they didn't really feel like the movie set up that ending very well. Like, they kind of just happened out of nowhere. And I can kind of see that. I probably have to rewatch it again because I bet there's a lot of subtle yeah, kind of hints. I, I can see how people would think that, but also I think because it didn't set it up is partly what made it work so well. Yeah. Also, those people are probably just the ones crying the hardest, so they want to try and... Oh, I teared up. I'm, I won't lie to you. I did too. I definitely teared up. Podcast, yeah, this looks would... pretty good. I'm going to have to give it a go. Yeah, and it's a short watch. It's like an hour 30. Yeah. Nice. All right, Nate, what else you got? Um... Another Western I watched, um, kind of stark contrast of The Power of the Dog, uh, Old Henry with Tim Blake Nelson in it and um, Stephen Dorff, um, wow. which was fantastic. Um, got this recommended by actually the father-in-law and uh, finally got the chance to watch it last weekend. Um, he's also another big Western fan. Um, he loves Tim Blake Nelson, too. Um, and Tulsa the, native. Tulsa native. Born and raised. Um, I don't know if he's born and raised. I just said that. I think he is, yeah. At least born. <laughs> he, has some, he has some connection. Um, but really great, really cool twist at the end in this one. Um, and it, it builds up huh. the whole movie. Um, kind of a short synopsis off the top of my head. Tim Blake Nelson is um, an old gunslinger from the West. But he settled down in Oklahoma, somewhere in Chickasha County or something like that. I think is what they said. Um, and he finds a guy who's kind of on the run. He has to protect him. Um, but then his past ultimately comes out, and um, you find out he is pretty handy with a gun. Um, when from the beginning of the movie, he's just sounds some, like a Liam Neeson movie. Some farmer, sure, maybe. Which one? Exactly. The one where just he has to get his family back. Yeah, just just one where Liam Neeson would be in it. Um, but but really great. Um, not that long, less than two hours. Um, and it, it keeps moving. Um, obviously because it's not that long, so it doesn't drag at any point. Um, but yeah, he's just, he's just a farmer, has his land, that's all he wants to do. Um, and then near the end is when it comes out and uh, all hell breaks loose at his um house or compound. Um, but the the twist in those this one was was really cool, really well done. Um, I'm looking at the streaming options here. Where, how did you guys watch this? Did you this is something I, I normally actually don't do. I, I rented it. Okay. It, it was like on Prime. I like I like never do that. I was like, oh, I can find something for you to watch. I actually did rent this one because then another buddy was like, oh, it's really good. You need to watch. I was like, okay, fine. So I'll spend the four dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. I hope the directors. Small cast list too. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I was, I was kind of like a film that keeps it tight. Um, but yeah, Stephen uh, Stephen Dorff did great. Uh, I think he played a. I don't know if I've seen him in a western, but 
Like, Which is weird because that seems like his speed. I know. Like, exactly. And he like fit this role to a T. It was awesome. Like his speech, his dialogue, his dictation and everything, like it fit for the perfect role for this. And he, he was he was a nice um he was a nice compliment to to Tim Blake Nelson. The kid Gavin Lewis, who played a kid named Wyatt in this movie, mm-hmm. he was on the show Little mm-hmm. Fires Everywhere that I watched. Ah, that is uh his son in the movie. Oh, okay. Yep. Henry's son or Ketchum's Henry's son. son. Yep. Old Henry is the movie. Yep. Henry's son is who that is. Nice. Let me check that. If I had to watch a Western after this podcast, would you recommend this over Power of the Dog? Oh, yeah, for sure. Wow. Yeah. Even even having to spend the money on it. Uh, Yeah. Damn, he hates Power of the Dog. Wow. I don't hate it. This guy yeah, hates you it. Hate it. He hates it. Hate yeah. is a strong yeah. word, guys. Can you hate anything more hatred than the hate coming out of Nate? Yeah, pretty hateful. Um, I can run through one more real quick. Just started this HBO Max. Um, heard it was pretty good. Uh, over the past couple of years, a few recommendations, but started The Sopranos. I don't know if you've heard of it. Um, never heard of it. <laughs> never seen it. I Animated. Uh, I think there's some animated mixed in later on hmm. in, the se- in the series. Like Who Framed yeah. Roger Rabbit style? Exactly. You I think that's where they got the inspiration. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, ne- never watched it. Um, Same, actually. Got, got with the wife and said, do you want to watch this? Watch the first episode. After that, she said she was out. So Aww. that gave me free reign to just watch on my own. Uh, that's when you can really power through a show. <laughs> Let me ask you this, Nate. Is this, is this one of those shows where, like, with with a lot of these popular shows, there's sometimes a point where you go, okay, I get it. I get what made this thing such a, you know, pop culture phenomenon. Are you there yet, or do you? Think I don't it's think be- so. I don't. I, I, it's good. I think I'm five episodes in. It's solid. Um, I haven't got to that point. I know what you're talking about, but I don't think I've gotten there yet. I will say, in like the first two, especially two, maybe three episodes, like a lot happens. Like they're hour long. Yeah. Um, but like I got to the fourth episode, I'm like, fuck, girl, only the fourth episode. Like this has happened. This guy died, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, damn. Okay. Like they pack a lot of shit in the first couple of episodes. So, um, you get a lot of depth from a lot of characters and a lot of background and that kind of stuff right off the bat. So it, it, it draws you in quick. It's not like a slow burn. Like some other, I know people in breaking bad say, oh, you got to get to like episode seven, eight or season two. I don't know what people say, but, um, it it gets it draws you in quick. Yeah, and I it does frustrate me when people are like, dude, you got to get to like season three for it to get good. Like, so <laughs> I have to watch twenty two hours of this shit before it's entertaining. I for me, you get three episodes. Yeah, I will give every show three episodes. And if I'm not at least intrigued, yep. Then yep. I have to be intrigued to go to a fourth, and to go to a fifth, I have to be entertained. Also, Nate, it might be too early, but this is one of the reasons I think I've kind of shied away from diving into Game of Thrones yet. But I get really bad. This is like my true detective season two PTSD. I get really bad when there's like a lot of names and like a lot of characters to keep track of. Is that no. what you think? The, okay. It's not I don't like think that. so. Oh, no, it's way simpler than Game of Thrones. Because we're like all these Italian sounding names. I'd be who the fuck are we talking about right now? Who who's going to whack who? Nah, it's not too tough to keep up with the names. Okay. I wouldn't let that be a barrier entry. Got it. Uh, who's up, me or Brian? 
Uh, you can go. You've got. I only have a couple more things. Get, okay. Go ahead and knock a couple. I'll more. rattle off a few of these pretty quick. Um, I watched Dune on HBO Max. Have either of you guys seen yeah. this? Loved it. Yep. Yeah, I was. Uh, I'll be honest. This is one of those movies I went in with like my arms folded, like, oh god, here we fucking go. <laughs> Dune, right? Have you seen the David Lynch one? David Lynch, by the way, worst fucking director in the history of time. <laughs> Mulholland just... <laughs> Drive is the second worst movie I've ever seen in my life. Uh, he's so never gonna let here. me live that down. Uh, and Denis Villeneuve, I love a lot of his stuff. I love Sicario. I love Arrival. I think Blade Runner twenty forty nine might be like in my bottom fifty movies of all time. Literally, all it was was two hours of <laughs> and Ryan Gosling in a trench coat. But Dune fucking rocks. Um, I'm not totally sure I understand what the fuck was going on. But I know good acting when I see it. I know good cinematography when I see it. Mm-hmm. And as much as I want to punch Timothy Oliphant in the face, he was pretty damn good in this. And it at least has me intrigued enough to where I will watch part two when it comes out. I think Hold on. I mean, you're Chalamet. not a Timothy Oliphant fan? Sorry, that's why I meant Chalamet. My bad. I knew it was like a weird. Okay. The... Just making sure that we that we weren't going to have to fight. Yeah, my bad. I love Timothy. <laughs> okay. Timothy Oliphant was listening to the pod. He's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I thought we were cool, bro. Like, yes. So I guess we're not getting coffee tomorrow. <laughs> All right, oh, fine. We're getting coffee and breakfast tomorrow. Yeah. So I like I like doing. I think um, it was it, it's dense. Like I I know a lot of people said that the book it was based on is unadaptable, and they maintain that after David Lynch's uh, movie came out, just because yeah. there's so much shit in it. They're like, how do you even put this on screen? I. And, Sorry, go ahead. Go well, ahead. I was going to say, and I don't know what they took out of the book, but at least for me, it felt digestible enough to where I could enjoy it without having so many questions that I was like, I, I, don't, I don't know what's happening. Yeah. So I 100% agree with everything that you just said. I didn't know exactly what was going on, but I know it was good. Um, I waited fucking six weeks to get Dune the book from the library I just got it a couple of days ago. I'm about a third of the way through, and I'm almost at the end of this movie. Oh, damn. So there is a... How many pages is the book? I don't know. It's 22 hours of listening. I don't read. We know that. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So I'm listening to this one at one and a half times speed because I I usually listen to things at two times speed, and I can't follow it. There's too much... Too many names. There's too much going on. I had to slow it down. And... Even with the source material being in my head now, going back and thinking about the movie, I still don't exactly know what's going on. Uh, it definitely helps a little bit. But I mean, this is going to be a trilogy, isn't it? At least, yeah. I, I I can see. I mean, there's like twelve fucking books, so I mean, I can see them making these forever. Yeah, I, I actually was at Barnes and Noble like a few months ago, and I wanted to buy the original book, but there were so many Dunes, and all of them had like. A subtitle that I was like, I don't even know which one to buy. If I wanted yeah, to. I had to, I had to Google dildo. it. The what? The wooden dildo. No, that's the third one. Yeah. The, yeah, you don't want to skip ahead. In this one, though, they find the oak tree that they're going to carve the dildo out of. I heard the fourth one is uh, something about a splinter. I don't know. Yeah. Foreshadowing. Jesus, spoilers, Brian. Sorry. But, um, yeah, I, re- I really enjoyed this one, too. Um and I'm kind of somewhere half in, halfway in between. Like there was part at the movie where I was like, oh shit, I don't think I understand what's going on. And then it kind of right. came around and like near the end, I was like, okay, I think I understand what the, what the end goal goal here is. But yeah, like horns, you were saying like 
cinematography, awesome. Acting was awesome. Action in it was was awesome. Um, the yeah, costume I was pleasantly design surprised. was really cool too. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, the, the costumes that they have to put on to go out into like yeah. the same area. Yeah, um, those were pretty. I think that's one thing I think that from from the book to the movie that they got perfect. The way that those those suits are described in the book, mm-hmm. they perfectly put on screen. Oh, nice. Yeah. I love Jason Momoa, but he's the yeah. same fucking guy in everything, right? <laughs> yeah, and he – did he put a little weight before this movie? Like he didn't look as Maybe. shredded as he normally does. Maybe he's preparing for another role. I don't know. Yeah. Um, real quick, let's go around and I don't know any fucking names from this. So the person at home who's like, um, excuse me, his name is, I'm sorry, dude. I don't know. Um, but who was your favorite actor or performance in the movie? Cause I think we all might have different answers. Brian, you can go first. It's gotta be Timothy Shalomalamam. Okay. He, he, He was great. Absolutely fantastic. I thought. And I'm not a fan of his, but you got to give credit where credit's due. Yeah, I really don't like him, but he was. This was probably the thing I liked him most in. 100. Yeah, percent It was a lot. It, it's not even fucking close. This is the best thing <laughs> I liked him in. Nate. Yeah. Um. Probably Timothy Chalamet, but um. Even though he wasn't in the full thing, I really liked Oscar Isaac's performance too. Thought that he did a really good job. Yeah, he brought it, man. Yeah, I thought he, like if you it, felt that power. Yeah. Yeah. And he's to the point where it's like, dude, he's getting paychecks left and right. He could just fucking show up and mail it in, and he didn't do that. Yeah, yeah. he has. Like, Apocalypse. Whatever. Um, yeah, what do you want to do with that, dude? Uh, I'm going to go, like, way out of left field here. This was, like, probably plus 4,000 for the pick. But, dude, uh, Stellan Skarsgård. Skarsgård, yes! Yeah, that was yes. crazy to me, man. He was it, now him like levitating. I literally was watching it by myself, and I go, "What the fuck?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It starts floating, but it was I literally have no idea weird. like yeah. how that's happening, why that's happening, but I'm in. Like, is that necessary? <laughs> Does, Does it explain it in the book? I haven't got that. I don't know. I, Imagine I if so. Jabba just like started. You haven't floating. gotten there. Yeah, I think well, he does it like pretty early when he sets up the plan. Yeah, well, here, in my defense, I may not know who that is in the book. <laughs> At one and a half times speed, they might be like, and then the Baron levitated, and then the Baron. It's like, oh. That's a pretty big oversight if you don't know who that character is. No, I don't specifically remember him, like, levitating up in the book. Hmm. Okay. Fair enough. Um, all right, anything else, or can I move on to my... Go, go one more. Okay, I also saw... I actually watched this with um, Derek Fisher, a friend of the pod, who was visiting me um because he and i were both like you know we've never seen this movie and it's like really popular and as i was kind of like vetting my top 100 list was like i'll give it a poke see if it can uh pierce the top 100 spoiler alert it didn't uh but that is the talented mr ripley love Mm. the talented mr ripley yeah also based on a book right i believe so i haven't read that one though so i went into this knowing that uh matt damon you know he comes and goes with me. You know, we have a love-hate relationship. Everyone else I love. I mean, Jude Law, obviously, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow, and uh, Kate Blanchett, who I'm a huge fan of. And this is one of those movies that uh, was not quite what I thought it was, like, from things that I've heard and read. But I was still very interested in. And I guess the thing I would describe it best as, I don't think I've ever really seen a movie like this. 
Although it's kind of like Matt Damon's character in The Informant, where he just plays like a pathological liar who at the end of the day like doesn't even lies so fucking much that he doesn't even know what's true anymore. Is that um, a problem? <laughs> no. It's a slow Long Tuesday. Yeah. And it was funny because towards the end of this movie, like everyone he talks to, he'll tell a white lie too. Like, yeah, I really enjoy uh, white grapes over red. And I'm like, that's not true. Now he has to kill this fucking person. Because if they tell it's true. Someone, yeah. <laughs> and I did like Philip Seymour's Philip Seymour Hoffman's character. Hey, he was just a unrelenting asshole, even in the most dire of circumstances. I'll just put it that way. If no one's seen it, I think this was one of my favorite. Jude Law performances. Hmm. It was weird seeing him with an American accent. I, I, off the top of my head, I can't think of a movie where he isn't. Uh, I actually in college had to do a like report on this. Like it was a big thing that we had to do. I thought you were gonna say on Jude Law. I was like, well, <laughs> what <laughs> class? <laughs> we're gonna need that Jude Law report by next week. Yeah. yeah Jude Law 101. You guys didn't take it. When was the last time either of you guys saw this? I've never seen probably, it. It's probably oh, been like seven years. It's been a little while. Nate, I recommend it. I think even the wife would like it. Okay. Uh, it's on Hulu. The talented Mr. Ripley. <laughs> Although the opening credits are like the most pretentious and artistic thing I've ever seen in my life. I'm pretty sure we watched this in like that college course over the course of like two or three classes. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that the professor fast-forwarded through the beginning credits. We're like, you guys don't need to know any of this. Well, it's All like, right. it's literally like 12 or 13 minutes long. Like, a name pops up, like it feels like a third of the way through the movie. Like, executive <laughs> produced by Chris Johnson. And oh, I, we're still doing this? <laughs> I was with Derek. He goes, we're still doing the fucking credits? We're like into the plot now, man. Like, what are we doing? Uh, that's awesome. And I was like, how many people worked on this goddamn thing? Imagine a movie where just like the whole time they're popping up credits. <laughs> I <laughs> mean, they pace it out evenly. I was yeah, I was gonna say you don't have to have credits at the end. Then it's kind of like the old Godzilla movies, Jeff. That's they true. do the credits at the beginning. The like, end. At the end. Key like grip, the end. Steven that's Smith. literally what it is. A lot of mouths to feed here. Gotta get everybody there. <laughs> Good shit. All right, Nate. What else you got? Uh, last one on my list. Uh, hadn't watched this in a while. Um. So saw this, I think, on HBO Max pop up. And I think this was last night or the night before, threw on The Town. Ooh. Great, nice. great flick. Great flick. Um, obviously, Ben Affleck can kind of just ease into that role, being from that area. Puts on his accent a little bit thicker than what he obviously has. but Yeah, he plays it up. I don't think it was too over the top, in my opinion. Um, but really enjoyed it. I... I knew the gist of the movie, but like I said, I've probably seen it in eight, nine years. Um, really enjoyed it. Totally forgot Jeremy Renner was in it. Um, loved his role in it as kind of the crazy psychopath sidekick um, whose sister, Ben Affleck, is fucking on the side. So um, shout out to Blake Lively. Uh, Always. Yeah. But uh, really interesting plot device they use obviously with him going after the bank manager who they kidnapped um developing relationship there 
um, and seeing how that plays out and the, the tension in the cafe scene when when uh, Jeremy Renner's character actually pops up, and he's like, oh, fuck, let's go. Hey, no, let's sit down. Let's have, let's have a good time. What are you doing here? Uh, shit. Uh, I got to make something up. Um, but that's I think it. this was the first time I ever saw Jeremy Renner. Probably 2010. Hmm. Yeah, this was the year he got cast as Hawkeye. So and I know he was in the Hurt Locker before that, but I actually didn't see that. I have never seen that. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, that was a good one to throw on and revisit. Um, I didn't re- know, or re- if I did, I definitely forgot. Uh, Ben Affleck directed this. I did not know that. Interesting. This was when we were still trying to give John Hamm a shot as like a Hollywood leading man. We we're like, hey, he's in Mad Men. No? Okay. Sure. Show throw him a throw him a main gig. Um, and then Rebecca Hall, I forgot she was in this too. Mm-hmm. That is his secondary love interest. Got to have a backup plan, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then you get a little glimpse of uh, Chris Cooper in there, who is Ben Affleck's dad, um, who's kind of a piece of shit. Which there's a lot of piece of shits in this movie, but I wonder how Chris Cooper. A good movie. I was gonna say I wonder how Chris Cooper feels because I bet he gets a lot of calls like, "Hey, Chris." We have this role. This guy's a total fucking dickhead. Thought of you right away. Um, would you be interested? He's like, thanks. It all pays the same, man. That's true. Checks <laughs> all cash the same. <laughs> it's blood money. Yep. Yep. October Sky plays in. Yeah, he's always like an <laughs> asshole father. Dick of a dad. American Beauty. Dick of a dad. Dick of a dad. He was in the first Born, wasn't he? Yeah, he's definitely in at least one of them. Actually, yeah, he's never a, seen the Bourne movies. He's a dick to Ben Affleck, and he's a dick to Matt Damon. Makes sense. Man, full circle. <laughs> Works out. You haven't seen him? No, I haven't. Um, any of the Bournes? No, I've never seen a Bourne movie. Wow. I've never seen any of the Matrix, so there we go. They, uh, we should do a pod where it's like we pretend it's like a sleepover, and we all reveal like our biggest confession <laughs> of movies. Uh, but that is it on my list. <laughs> all right, Brian, what else you got? All right, so uh, talk about it real fast. Check out our uh, Hawkeye Episode 5 review. Just watched that uh, like an hour and a half ago. Great episode, but check out our review to get on that. Uh, next, Season 3 of Lost in Space uh, came out. I think it actually came out a little while ago. I'm just now getting around to it. About halfway through that, um, well worth the wait. This was something that they were about to start production. COVID hit. Everything got shut down. They I finally said, I busted the show it got out for some reason, so I'm glad it's back. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know the story on that. I do know that it came back though. Uh, obviously, a lot of the kid actors are two years older than what they were last time we saw them, and other than that, it is a flawless uh, transition from where they left off. Um, they kind of tried to explain by doing one of the like one year later things why everybody's a little older, mm-hmm. uh, but really really solid. Uh, like I said, I'm about halfway through that. I'm looking forward to seeing how they they wrap all this up. Uh, all right, I know we've all been waiting for it. Let's talk about it. Black Christmas. Now this is the 2019 one. Because mm. I told you guys I watched it this weekend with the misses. Um, I had a fucking blast. This was one of the worst movies I've ever seen. What a sentence. But it was probably one of the most fun. 
And what a sentence that could only come from Brian Banner. Very true. Had a blast. What what one of the worst movies I've ever seen. <laughs> the acting oh. is terrible. The story is not great. They get <laughs> really selling the me. story. It, it so it like it shifts. No spoilers, but what the fuck happens at the end, dude? Like, right, that's exactly put, my point. You put so much effort into this very important social message you have. You develop this main character as this really strong, like, female who is, like, fighting back against the patriarchy. And then it's fucking what you do with it? Like, yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah, I was super fucking confused uh, by the direction. that, Like, we went... You guys think we go off the rails on this podcast? Watch this fucking movie in the third act. It I'm goes just going to watch the third movie. act. Tell me when it starts. Uh, man, you, I, off pot, I'll tell you the visual cue you'll get when you're like, <laughs> oh, Jesus, tits. Okay. Yeah. Oh, tits. Okay. Uh, but it's, Brian, to me, and I wrote in my letterbox review that, like, it felt disingenuous because I feel like the movie actually has some really good points about, like, rape culture and what the fuck is wrong with, like our society but then it's like well i guess you weren't too serious about it because that's what you did in the last 15 minutes yeah 100 percent. again though it's a it, it was fun did, don't tell me you didn't have fun in it i did i did yeah like i said it's a terrible movie uh, but you're gonna have fun and i think there's some decent kills too yeah but they all come too fast for me yeah and a couple <laughs> of good ones are off screen also sucks that's what she said it, uh, I, I felt like they had, like, all the kills came within, like, a 15-minute period, late second, early third act. I do love any kill, like, in a horror movie where it's, like, so telegraphed, like, girl walking home, clearly being followed. Hello? Yeah. Like, keeps turning around. Banging on the door that obviously nobody's going to answer. Yeah. Or maybe the killer answers the door. Bum, bum, bum. Wow, should write movies. So, bad movie, but you would recommend? Uh, yeah, if you're, look, if you've got a six-pack and an hour and 39 minutes to kill, yeah. That's what we did. Oh, Fair Nate, uh, the girl from the White Lotus who ends up hooking up with the Hawaiian guy that works at the hotel, mm-hmm. she is one of the sorority girls, like one of the main characters in this. Okay. I don't know if that gives you motivation to watch it, but I appreciate no, that. No, it should not move the needle for no. you. Just thought. <laughs> they, if there's a movie that I would tell you to never watch, it's this one. You, oh. This is not your movie. This is not your speed. This is There is nothing about this that you would like. Let's I was skip, pretty much on that page. So. Let's skip to the last 10 minutes just for a what the fuck is happening here. It'd actually be even funnier if you... We should just record you watching the last 10 minutes and try to guess how we got to this point. Not a bad idea. Uh, Brian, what do you think of Carrie Elwes real quick? Because I'm, I'm kind of a – Carrie Elwes does not pick his roles very judiciously. He's like, money? Well, of course I'll do it. Yeah. Carrie Elwes was in this? Yeah. yeah. Big role too. He's her professor. Uh, I actually, actually bought him in this one. Yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to wait to see what you said. I was like, I yeah. like him. Yeah, I, I, like, this is one of the ones, whenever he showed up, this is a, you cross your arms, you're like, oh, this fucking guy again. 
And then as the movie goes on, I'm like, God damn it, this fucking You're like, guy. This yeah. fucking guy. Yeah. And then at the very <laughs> end, uh, when the the twist kind of comes, uh, I was like, all right, fuck. Every everybody 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 strikes gold once. Also, Carrie Elwes has this like personality. Maybe it's not a personality trait. It's, it's a thing he does that I find really endearing but comical. No matter how old you are, he will address you as Mister or Mrs. Yeah. So he'll walk up to like a two year old and be like, Ah, it's Mrs. Piper, and like she's a fuck. She literally eats her own boogers. You don't have. She to doesn't refer- even know that her last name is Piper. Right. You don't have to refer to. Her. She actually, she's not gonna know who the fuck you're talking to, to be honest. If you don't call her Callie. <laughs> Or just a random thing I know. He refers to everyone in the movie as Mr. or Mrs. Which they're That's not. That's such at. a fucking pretentious, like, tone of voice. Yeah. Ah. You got anything else, Brian? Uh, no, that's all I got. Okay, I, I'm not going to finish these. I'll run through two of them real fast. Rewatched the OG Home Alone last night. Uh, <laughs> it is a once-a-year Christmas time watch for me. Shit holds up big time. And I nice. texted Banner. Yep. The, so John Williams did the score. Either again, same thing with uh, what I mentioned about Ben Affleck in the town. Either I didn't know that, or I definitely forgot it. I knew Chris Columbus directed, and John Hughes came up with the story. But the opening score to this goes so hard, like where it's like kind of panning in on Kevin's neighborhood, and it's nighttime, and they're sort of setting up uh, Harry as like the wet bandit being in disguise as the cop. I mean, it slaps, guys. Like, fuck. It is a banger, I have to say. Yeah, he was nominated for an Academy Award for this. I did look it up after we we talked last night. Oh, wow. I mean, he should have been. I said it's probably to the bottom of the list or number five, but I think Home Alone is the biggest sleeper John Williams score, and it's probably flirting with top five John Williams score of all time. That's my hot take. I, I think as far as, like, pure musical and what it does for the movie i think your statement is 100 percent true i think recognize recognizability of it and it's it's not sure. even fucking close well and that's where it's tough for me to gauge like jaws i don't think jaws is a better score than this at all but it's way more recognizable but at the same time what it does for you in the movie in that moment when you hear that coming up you're like yeah. oh fuck so again it it's hard to say. Like, is is it good? No, it's fucking two notes. Da na da na da na. Like, that's all it is. But how those two notes are used is what is important. Totally agree. All right, last one I'll mention tonight. Um, I have, as of this recording, uh, although by the time this drops, this will have changed. I have not seen Spider-Man: No Way Home. So, what I'm about to say about this film and where it ranks this year in movies—that is the caveat. I saw Ghostbusters Afterlife in theaters. Best movie of the year, in my opinion. I heard really good things. I was not expecting to like it this much. And surprisingly, uh, and I like Paul Rudd in it a lot, but he's not the reason this thing fucking rocks. Uh, it's gotten the taste out of our mouths from that unfortunate 2016 Ghostbusters film. And I, I'm not a Stranger Things guy, but Finn Wolfhard uh, and McKenna Grace, who are the two kids in this, are unfucking believable and does it play on our nostalgia yes will it make you ball your fucking eyes out yes uh did it do the story in an incredible way to tie it into the originals while also being unique and of its own i think that's where its real strong suit is uh and there's two 
big time cameos towards the end of this. I mean, I'm not not the original Ghostbusters. I mean, I think it's been revealed they come back, but two big time actors who show up in the finale, who everyone will recognize. That is great. So, give it a five out of five on Letterbox. Give it a Broscars nom. Ghostbusters Afterlife, nice. my my favorite movie of the year. Highly Do it. <clears throat> All right, everybody's done, right? Done. That that Thank noise you. brings us to the last part of our show, which is our question and answer segment, our Do You Even Lift Bra portion. And tonight we are continuing our countdown of our top 100 movies of all time, posing the question, what are our favorite movies to ever exist? So tonight, picking up the countdown, and you can find the link to this list and a squad blog written about these lists in the description of this podcast episode below, Nate Thurmond will count down his 86, 85, 84, and 83rd favorite movie of all time just because he has not had the chance to come on uh, an episode recently. He's been doing our Hawkeye reviews. Wait, hold on. Where did you have me at? You Last one you did was your 87th. Oh, wait. I'm sorry. That was Geiger. I was about to say. I think I'm going to Okay, you've go done 80. your 86th. My yeah, bad. yeah. So mm-hmm. 85, 84, 83. So your last two, your number 87 movie was the Western Unforgiven. And then your 86th favorite movie, another Western, No Country for Old Men. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's well, No Country for Old Men because Nate, he took him a long time to come around on this. Yeah, movie. it did. That's true. That's true. In it fact, I, I'd say a No No Country for Old Men is in the locker room saying, "I think it's a miracle I'm even here." Yeah, I think it's a testament. At 86 for Old Country, No Country for Old Men on my list. Uh, and Nate, I, I try to say this every time, but just in case somebody's listening to to the podcast for the first time here, how would you describe these lists and yours specifically? Because it's not what we think are like the AFI 100 greatest works of film ever made. No, these are these are the hundred top films for us individually. So they're going to be drastically different, even yeah, amongst 80, us. Or 98th, I have Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle. Okay. Yeah. So even even amongst the bros, these are going to be drastically different. Um, the way some of these shook out even surprised some of us whenever things settled and we're like, oh shit, that's really that number. Huh. Well, we did our due diligence and that's how, that's how it shook out. So um, yeah, you're not going to go to the IMDb top 100. This is going to match up. Um, there's probably half of those movies on that list that aren't on my top 100. I will almost guarantee. Correct. Uh, but these are our lists. Uh, we love these movies for different reasons. Um, and we're just going to do our best to justify them to the to the crowds, even though we don't need to justify them, because fuck you, this is our list. Well, and to that point, last episode, my number 80, what is this, 80, 84 movie of all time mm-hmm. was Rush Hour 2. Among the nostalgic reasons, it was the mm-hmm. first DVD I ever purchased. Nice. Love it. So there you go. All right, Nate, so what's your number 85 movie of all time coming in just ahead of No Country for Old Men at 86? Uh, here we go. Number 85, Goodwill Hunting. Um, I figured this is actually probably a pretty good example. Classic movie. This would probably be way up higher as far as just critically acclaimed, how it was done, how it was shot. I mean, it's a great movie. I can't deny that. I um, just sure got to 85 on my list. Um, but, I mean, one of – uh, one of uh, Williams' top best performances. I'll uh, say it. I think it's his best role. It, yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's uh, non-comedic at least, right? 
yeah, and just the story behind it. Um, I mean, the story of the movie is great, um, but then the story behind it, Matt and Ben writing it and taking so long to write it and then finally coming to fruition and making this great film that burst on the scene. Um, it, it, there's just a lot to it. Um, I, could, I mean, you could go on forever about the cinematic uh, accolades of it. Um, but yeah, just overall, great film, great story behind the film, great acting all around. And I know they'd been in things before this, but I mean, this started the careers for yeah. all intents and purposes yeah. of Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. Like, is Casey Affleck in this too? I think he is, right? Uh, that's a great question. So. <clears throat> and this okay. is one I haven't seen in a while. Yeah, he is. Yep, Casey Affleck. He was telling Skarsgård also. Nice. Yep. And but, of course, gave us the line, "You like how you like them apples." Classic. Simple and effective. Yeah. Eighty-five. Wait, 85? Yeah. Yeah, 85. All right. Num, hold on. Let me mark this off here. All right. Number 84. Um, I actually wouldn't be surprised if either one of you have seen this. I think I may have suggested it at one time or another over the past few years. Um, underrated kind of dark comedy. Um, talking about the 2008 film In Bruges. Mm. Mm. Have you seen it? Highly Colin, recommend. I have not, but Colin Farrell, right? Have I have I ever recommended Seven Psychopaths to you? You, you have, yes. yes, you have. H- have you seen it? No. No, I'm sorry. Fuck. God damn it. <laughs> no, we suck. I suck. <laughs> so both of these would kind of go on the same. Uh, I put them in the same category. These kind of dark comedies got a lot of humor in them. Um, but this one uh, stars Colin Farrell, and he he's in Seven Psychopaths too. But also has uh, Brendan Gleeson in it, who plays Mad Eye Moody in the Harry Potter films. Um, and Harry they Potter are here. Yeah, they are some Voldemort. Hit, it, so, yeah, they are some hitmen um, who are laying low in Bruges, Belgium, um, after a hit gone wrong. A innocent bystander was killed. Um, and so Brendan Gleeson tries to tell Colin Fowler, who's freaking out the whole time. Hey, lay low. We're waiting on a call from our boss enjoy the scenery enjoy the old rustic town he can't he can't enjoy the finer things he's just stressed out the whole time um and then it ends in in a bang um as any hitman movie like that would um but yeah you you put these guys in a stressful situation um and having colin farrell trying to find like the beauty in in this old city um but he's not able to do it he's stressed out the whole time but um, hilarity does ensue in a dark, dark manner, um, with the death involved as well. So highly recommend this one. It's a good one. Two things. So the director of in Bruges, uh, you probably knew this, but Martin McDonough, he did also direct seven psychopaths. I think that's probably how I found in Bruges after watching seven psychopaths to be honest. Okay. So they feel, they have like a lot of the same kinetic energy and kind of feel the same way when you would say. Yeah, and they also did three billboards. Yeah, which I love. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love how the title In Bruges means maybe more, but just simply that these two dudes are literally in Bruges. Yeah. They're just that that's the city they're in. That's it. That's pretty fucking <laughs> that's, hilarious to me. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. What do we call it? Uh I mean they're in Bruges. They're in, Bruges. in Bruges. Done. Done. There it is. Let's call One it a night. song in the bank. Count it. Um, but then to give you a, a a little uh, closer insight to like what type of movie it is. Look, just looking on IMDb, Burn After Reading is also suggested for this movie. Ooh, I love Burn After Reading. Has anyone ever seen The Lobster? Not to get off on a tangent. 
I have. I've Another seen a girl. lobster. The lobster is a weird movie. I won't get into that, but all the, a lot of color girl recommend. connections here today. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, the lobster was too weird for me. Um, and the, super it's the same, weird. Have you seen the killing of a sacred deer? Uh. Uh-uh. Okay, the same director who did the lobster did that, and it's just so fucking weird. All right. To me, it's like art house cinema, where it's like a student film, and like they're just trying to do something crazy, where the director, the professor, will be like, "Damn, okay." Huh. But uh, uh, but anyway, in Bruges, number eighty-four for Nate Thurman. Moving would on you to, recommend if I could only watch one in the next week, in Bruges or Seven Psychopaths? Which would you recommend? Seven Psychopaths. Okay. Wow. Yep. No hesitation. No, it's got it's Seven Psychopaths has a little bit more ebb and flow and some twists and turns. A um, little bigger cast in that one too, um, but doesn't necessarily make or break a movie but yeah seven psychopaths over in bruges so folks at home does that mean seven psychopaths is higher on nate thurman's list than in bruges stay tuned I mean, da, da, da. who knows uh okay round out the that night nate thurman does i do if i scrolled up and looked but i would imagine it's up there i think it is <laughs> gonna be weird if it's not um <laughs> Number 83, the 1985 classic, Back to the Future. Wow. 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 That's our first Back to the Future sighting on this list, I believe. Will Back to the Future be one of the few movies on everyone's list? It's got a shot. Possibly. I think it's got a shot. Possibly. I don't know, like, going back and looking at, like, my 84 through 100, I don't know what else would be on everyone's looking at my list. That may be maybe maybe remember the Titans. I don't know. I was thinking, yeah, I saw Remember the Titans. That might be honestly with us. Independence Day probably is a good shot. Yeah, Independence Day. Sick fucks. I don't really know everyone else's views on Joker, but maybe it's not on mine. Okay, yeah. I've I've actually never seen it yet. So oh, I thought it was good. Anyway, Back to the Future. Uh, I mean, that, I mean, this one is just like a tale as old as time. Um. Everyone's seen this one. Everyone, you, you get the classic DeLorean. I mean, put the DeLorean on the map. It may have killed the DeLorean. I don't know. Um, the sure as hell don't make them anymore. Uh, but I, every, everyone's kind of fantasy. You've thought about it once or twice, like going back in time, and then they kind of go in a little more in depth on it and actually changing the future and all that kind of stuff. Um, but Michael J. Fox back in his heyday in the 80s, I mean, just put him in something, and it's going to be – gonna be money yeah i mean it just works on every level and mm-hmm. it, it this one never ages in my opinion either no no like and i think i think we're kind of in the sweet spot like we still understand him going back to the 50s we still understand what that time was like like in another generation it might not play as well um but us being born around the time it came out and being understand like interacting with people who were lived who were alive in the fifties, born in the fifties and things like that. Um, we can still relate to a ton of that stuff, relate to the music. Um, but like horns was saying, it hits on so many different levels. Like you've got a badass car in it. Um, you've got kind of cool clothing style he's wearing. And then you go back into the fifties and it can hit on that level. If you want, like if you're, it probably appeals to the older audience at that time, um, appeals to the younger audience and it's still appealing. I got to say something, though, as I've gone back and watched the sequels to Back to the Future, I hate the sequels. <laughs> really? Yeah. I like don't I, like the second one. I 
I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I'm a sucker for the third one. Yeah, I'm okay with the third one, but I I think I actively dislike the second one. Mm. But I love the first one. I mean, I'm fucking jumping in front of a freight train for the first one. I I'm gonna go out on a limb and say Back to the Future is a top ten for horns. Interesting. Stay tuned to find out. I think I think it is. We'll see. All right. Um, but that wraps up my list for the night. So now I'm at 83. Good shit. 83. All right. So just so people know where where Nate's 83 is at with other people, Ronnie Cycli has Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace at 83, which I am such an apologist for. I actually was pretty upset that it didn't crack my top. Dude, you were texting us for like three days after he announced that. Like, dude, I'm having buyer's remorse. I made a mistake. I made a mistake. You're like, dude, I I fucked up. I started looking at my roster. I was like, who can I cut? (laughs) It is what it is. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, okay. So Phantom Menace is cycling. Nate, of course, is Back to the Future. Banners is the 2017 Murder on the Orient Express. And you have actually seen both. Yes, I really like, I really like the uh, the older one too. I want to say it landed somewhere in the one fifties, maybe one seventy range. Which is competitive for sure. Yeah. We have over a thousand on our. Yeah. And then my number eighty three, which was mentioned tonight mm-hmm. in Name That Film uh, Christmas Movies Edition, is Ghosts of Girlfriends Past with Matthew McConaughey, which I think is the second best iteration of A Christmas Carol and one of the most unique takes that's ever been done on it. Maybe my favorite iteration of A Christmas Carol is somewhere higher up on my list. Only time will tell. Only time will tell. All right, guys. As we let the people go for episode 169, closing thoughts of wisdom. Brian Banner, this might be, depending when we drop the Hawkeye season finale review, the last time you get to talk to people uh, in 2021. So what would you like to leave them with? I just, guys, this is a time for caring. This is a time to just be a decent human being. Just quit being douchebags and pull over for emergency vehicles. There is nothing worse than everybody else pulling over and you're just zooming past, cutting off a fucking ambulance because you want to go to Starbucks. Just pull over. All right. There could be a dying person in the back of that ambulance. Or your house could be on fire. Is that so my, ice, worse? So my iced Americano is ready and the ice is melting. Yeah, I ordered on the app probably too early, if I'm being honest. But And that's your fault. Don't blame that on the emergency vehicle. <laughs> Nate, what do you, what do you, can you top that, Nate, with more sage wisdom? Oh, I can't. Um, but, you know, get outside, get some vitamin D. It's healthy. It's good that's for a good you. One. Um, it's a good reminder, uh, going into the winter months, um, to get outside and yeah, just sit there, let the sun hit your face. It does feel good. Um, people being inside a lot more now, people working from home. So you just get outside, breathe some fresh air. It'll help. Great advice. Take a little walk, meet your neighbors. Actually don't talk to them. They're fucking weird, but yeah, I don't know mine. Um, my advice would be, I'm going to change it up a little bit this week. Be nice to your, uh, service industry workers. There we go. If you go to a restaurant or someplace, don't be a dickhead. Right? They don't want to, trust me, they don't want to fucking bring you your guac. But they're Mm -hmm. doing it to put food on the table at their own house. So just don't be an asshole. And tip well. If you're going to go out, Jesus Christ, 
If you can't afford to go out, then stay at home, Sharon. I know that that's I know I 100% agree with that, and I know it probably gets criticism like, oh well, I can't afford a tip. Okay, well then I'm then I'm sorry. Cook I cook at home a, a ton because it saves money and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, you do go out if it's a treat, treat it like a treat, and you're gonna have to treat the server well too. Yeah, if you can't afford to go out, then you can't afford to go out. It is what it is. Harsh reality. And on the flip side, if you're a server and somebody doesn't tip you well, spit in their drink. <laughs> But well, usually you don't know until afterwards. Done right? at that point, yeah. Okay, spit in their face. <laughs> Slash their tires. That escalated quickly. Make okay. their child late to school. Yeah. All right, for the Good for stuff. the American hero Nate, Nate Thurman and the mad scientist Brian Banner. I'm the mayor Jeff Hornacek. We are the Bro Four Squad podcast. Thank you guys so much for checking us out. Have a happy new year. We will. Uh, I believe our next episode. I'll text you guys about this, but we need to do our. Year in review, and then our year preview for 2022. We keep the train fucking rolling here. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Bro4Squad. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. Uh, you can follow us on Letterboxd if you type in Bro4Squad as three separate words. And check out everything that we post on our website, Bro4Squad.com. Till next time, we're going to go out to eat because we're good tippers. We're not heroes, but just doing our part. Minimum 18%. Yeah. The service is good, for sure. Mm-hmm. Good degree. Order after there, at least. You know. And don't, don't, 